23 to 27. Jesus replied, All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make a home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. I am telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. A father used to have a problem getting his son to clean his room. He'd say to him, go get your room done now. And the son would be agreeable. Yeah, I'll I'll get it done, Dad. I'll get it done. And he wouldn't follow through or he wouldn't get it clean up to the, the standard he wanted. But after high school, his son joined the army. And when the father and son were on a plane coming home from boot camp, um, he said to his father, my life makes sense now, Dad. Everything you said and did when I was growing up, it really makes sense finally. And Dad, I learned what now means. We actually hear that phrase, um, um, do I have to, from our kids uh, quite regularly. Um, Maybe even you've used it growing up. And when you've asked them to um, clean their room, wash their hands, do their homework, eat their dinner, go to bed, you'll hear that phrase or something like it, do I have to. Maybe they don't even get to the the phrase, they'll sort of just grunt and and gripe and moan about it, which is expressing that same feeling. The thing is, even as adults, we have our own way of of saying that phrase, do I have to? We will sort of like, we'll, we'll complain to our co-workers when the boss asks us to do an extra job that we didn't want to do or, or we get left behind with something. We'll, we'll do it, but we will, we will do our own griping and groaning. Like we will complain when no one else volunteers for something and we're left to do it or, or if we're asked to do something that it's just not what we really want to do. And we can actually apply that same principle spiritually when it comes to obedience. Obedience to God. And that's what we're going to be talking about uh, today. And, and the thing is, sometimes we have that same response to God that our children have to us or we have in our workplace. Do I have to? Do I really have to do this, God? Because I think sometimes we get to that place where our Christian walk is just about showing up to church, being good, and a few little other things thrown into the mix, and that becomes a Christian life. But obedience becomes this really big key to it. But obedience becomes this really big key to it in what we've been talking about over these past months in experiencing God. If there is a failure to be obedient, there is a depth that you will not experience God at. It actually becomes a blockage for you. And it actually will move you away from God, which we'll talk about a little bit. But the first thing I want to talk about to help us motivate us in the idea of obedience is that obedience reveals our love for God. When you choose uh, at that moment of truth, when you must choose whether to obey God, you cannot obey him unless you believe and trust him. And you cannot believe and trust him unless you love him. And you cannot love him unless you know him. 
Right at the beginning of the series, I said one of the things that was so important for us to experience with God was a relationship with Him. It becomes a core foundational element. It becomes the core foundational element. If you don't have a, a relationship with Jesus, you cannot experience God. You may experience touches of his grace in your life, but if you are not someone who says, I, I want to know you in my life and have given your life over to him, obedience becomes almost uh, impossible. John 14, 23 and 24a says, Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. Um, my father will love them and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey me. The thing is, I suppose that becomes really hard because obedience, as I said before, requires relationship because it is motivated by our love and the trust that we have in Jesus, which comes out of that relationship. And the thing is, when we look at that verse, all who love me will do what I say. So when we're actually obedient to God, when we do what he says, we're actually showing our love for God. But when we are not being obedient, when we are just sort of settling for a subpar Christian life, we're actually externally showing that we don't love God as much as we may say we love him. So if we look at it, what is obedience? What is obedience? I suppose this becomes that thing like obedience is us responding to God in an affirmative, saying yes to him when he asks us to do something. Now, again, that can be a task. That can be correcting an attitude. That can be moving location. It can be a range of things that God asks us to do. Sometimes God says, I want you to go over here, but he doesn't give us any further instructions. And so we can get into the habit of saying, well, before I do that, God, let's discuss what moving over there will mean. Let's understand what that step or process will take. Well, let's have a good sort of, um, I suppose, get everyone involved and have a group planning on what that means to move across there. That's no obedience. We may spend a lot of time talking about what God wants us to do, but if we do not do what God wants us to do, we are actually not being obedient. If you know that God loves you, you should never question a directive from him. Anyone here done that? So say, God, um, you've said to go do this or to say this. Just checking that that was from you. That was what you wanted me to do because that would make me really uncomfortable. But if we love God, we would say yes to him. We would go, yes, God, I'm willing to go talk to that person. Yes, God, I'm willing to give that. I know that things will be tight for me, but I'm going to give that money because you've told me to do that. Yes, God, I will leave my job. Or yes, God, I will stay with my job. It's a response to God because we love him. It's not because we enjoy that situation particularly. It's a response to him directly. We've also got to understand that when God asks us to do something, it is always right and it is always the best. See, sometimes we still are questioning God's ability to get it right in our life, and that's why we kind of lean back and go, oh, God, I'm not so sure about that. But again, that comes back to knowing him. If we know God fully, if we understand who he is and what he's done in our life, and we've seen that repeated over and over again in our life, all of a sudden we come to a place where we're able to trust in him fully. When God gives us a directive, we are not just to observe it, to discuss it, or debate it, we are to obey it. We are to do what God asks us to do. And that's what obedience is. And that's why even a child can be obedient 
to God because all they've got to do is say yes to him and do what he's asked to do. We could have a great amount of knowledge. We could have a great amount of experience. We may have a different amount of success from one person to the next, but our obedience is really clear. Are you saying yes to God? Or are you discussing? Are you sort of getting to a place where maybe you're only doing partial obedience? And that's the next question I want to ask. Is partial obedience enough? Because I'm sure some of you out there, because I know I would have asked this question at times, God, look at how much I did that you asked me to do. I've done so much. I know you asked me to do more, but I've done so much. Isn't partial obedience enough? If I get five out of ten things right, isn't that good? Even I obey five times. Or is it four enough? Maybe if I do one out of ten, that's at least a start, God. Give me some credit for that. And that's our response to it. If we get, what is, what is the ratio that will make God happy? Well, God wants total obedience. He doesn't want partial obedience. There was an aviation pilot who was on a practice flight and something happened and he was um, temporarily stricken blind. He's in behind the, the, um, in the cockpit of a plane and he's flying and he cannot see. So he radioed a message to his control officer and the officer radioed back saying, follow my instructions exactly. After keeping the, the blinded um, cadet circling uh, the field until the whole field was cleared and an ambulance had arrived to control the, um, the situation, the officer radioed radio says, now lose altitude. Now bang sharply. Now you're coming onto the runway now. And the cadet brought his plane um, uh, to a perfect landing and was saved. And later his sight returned. Now you imagine that this blind pilot decided, you know what, your instructions, I'm going to obey nine out of ten of them. I'm going to skip the first step and follow all the rest, where you wouldn't be in a position to land. I'm going to do all of them except for the last one. Still, you wouldn't be in a position to land. If he had skipped any of the steps that the, um, the radio officer had given him, he would have crashed and most likely died. And so it's the same way all of the, the, that God is asking for us is to obey every single step. It's important for us. And again, as we look at this idea that if God is our Lord and we are his servants, a servant does not have the option to decide whether he wants to obey or not. Choosing to obey is this what, what choosing to obey is rebellion. Sounds a bit harsh, doesn't it? But it's true. When we say no to God, we are rebelling against the one who knows what's best for us, who knows what is right. He's never wrong, ever, and we are saying no to him. That's exactly what Adam and Eve have done. Every sin that has ever been committed is an act of rebellion. And when we say no to God in the act of obedience, we are being disobedient, which some of you may be able to live with that way. I'm a little bit disobedient. Can you live with the term rebellion? That you are living in rebellion to God? Because when we are partially obedient, we are in rebellion to God. God's command are not given to you so that you can pick and choose the ones that you want to obey and forget the rest. He wants you to obey all of his commands and out of, out of your love relationship with him. Again, as we love God, he wants us to do all the things that will bring us into that deeper love relationship. And if we don't obey, if we get to the point where we disobey, there is a cost of disobedience. We need to remember this. Last week, or two weeks ago, I spoke about the idea that there is a cost of obedience. And there is at times. There, there are going to be times that we sacrifice to obey God. 
But this is also a true statement. But if you disobey, there is definitely 100% every single time a cost for disobedience. It always will have consequences. There will be consequences for our disobedience. As I said before, it is rebellion against God. One of the consequences is it will move us away and out of relationship with God. If obedience is the way that we love God and show that we love God, disobedience actually moves us back from God. And some people disobey to the point where they move out of relationship with God. This this can be seen in the story of Jonah. Jonah was specifically given instructions from God to go to Nineveh, preach um, the, the, basically the gospel, like you, you're going to be um, condemned because of your actions. And Jonah didn't want to do that. He knew, he knew God and he didn't want God to actually forgive those people. And so Jonah ran the opposite direction. He went into active rebellion against God. And even when the storms come, Jonah knew exactly that was God reaching out for him. And he told the men to throw him in the water. And and there was a consequence of of being swallowed up and, and, and swallowed by the whale. Now, the thing is, God could have left him there, could have left him there today. That, that could have been the separation. But the thing is, Jonah actually cried out because at that point he felt separated from God. One of the consequences of our rebellion, it separates us from God. But as Jonah confessed, when Jonah acknowledged that God's will was right, this final thing comes in our, an act of disobedience because sometimes we can actually get to the point where we feel that we have failed God, we have let him down, we've actively been disobedient, we've only been partially obedient, and we think there's no chance for us to turn it around. God does not give up on us in our failure. And we see that in Jonah. Jonah ran the opposite way and God still used him. God still brought him back. And God has done that to multiple people throughout the Bible where God saw their disobedience and yet brought them back. And so that's the same applies to us. So even though there is a cost to disobedience, there is a way out. So if you are trapped in some kind of disobedience right now, don't let it imprison you. There is a way out because God wants to call you back to the path of of obedience to him. So what are the first steps of obedience that we need to follow? Well, when it comes to obedience, there's going to be big things that God asks us to do. And some of us tend to wait for those big moments. God, I want you to build an ark. God, I want you to do this. Or God asks us to build an ark. Or God asks us to do this. Or God, you want me to go do that? Yes, I'll go do that. But there are some obvious things in front of us that we miss. We, When it comes to the first steps of obedience, we must obey what we already know to be God's will. We've got to obey what is already right in front of us. God has made clear. So sometimes that's like honouring your mother and father. It's, it's loving your wife. It's loving your husband. It's, it's um, following the, the rules that are around you. It's actually making time to build your relationship with God. So quiet time, um, coming collectively to church and celebrating who God is, taking time to pray. All these things are important and we know what they're the right thing to do. Like to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, like in in those things. To not live selfishly, but selflessly. And we see over and over over again in the Bible of people that have asked that question, what do I need to do? And they're, they're looking for that big moment, and Jesus points them to those smaller things that you should already be doing. The rich young ruler was one. We've talked about him a few times. Who came before um, Jesus saying, what must I do? And Jesus' response was like, have you done all these things? And he had tick, 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 look at what I've done. 
And he said, there's one, there's one little thing you've got to do, one little thing, and then you get to have eternal life as you follow me, as you be in relationship with me. But he was unwilling to give that up. The Pharisees become another example of this, as time and time again, they would find loopholes to the rules, which the rules were there to bring people into relationship, and they would actually make it hard for other people and easy for them to to look good in people's eyes. And Jesus would be saying to them, these things you shouldn't be doing. You shouldn't be doing that or you should be doing this. Why aren't you doing that? Why have you missed the understanding of that? And even the Israelites as a whole fall into this category because often God will point out to them saying, I've asked you to do things like look after the widow and the orphan. And you're actually trying to find ways to get out of that. Ways to sort of not be responsible for those under your care. And in the same way, we have those obvious steps in front of us that we need to be obedient in first. And as we're obedient in those, as we follow God in those, all of a sudden, God will build us up. As I said right at the beginning of this series, God will use various situations and circumstances to develop our character. And in developing our character, God will say, hey, you're ready for that next job. You're ready for that next task. If we can't get the first things right, we'll be never moved on to those bigger tasks that we want to do. So what are the benefits of of obedience? Now, I'm not sure I'm going to lose you right here. I might lose some of you, but Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this. He said, one act of obedience is better than 100 sermons. One act of obedience is better than 100 sermons. Some of you have all of, a, all of a sudden got a big motivation to actually be obedient, going, does that mean I don't have to go to church for 100 weeks? Um, no, not quite, because again, I think there's more obedience in, in coming to church and God wants you to be here. But in saying that, um, when we're obedient, we actually get drawn closer to God than maybe the greatest sermons filling our lives. Why? Because we are taking the initiative of moving with God where God wants us to move. Um, but also another benefit of obedience is the delight of obedience. There is actually a joy when it comes to being obedient. Um, obedience means joy and uninterrupted fellowship with God. Um, and we see this really well in the hymn, Trust and Obey. Um, verse 1 says, When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Moving on to verse 4, it says, But we never can prove the delights of his love until all on the altar we lay. For the favour he shows and the joy he bestows are for them who trust, who will trust and obey. Then in fellowship sweet we will sit at his feet or will walk by the side in the way. Where What he says we will do, where he sends we will go, never fear, only trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. We see clearly in that song the joy of actually being obedient to God. The delights, we can never prove the delights of his, of his love in its fullness until we have given everything over to God and we say yes to him in everything. And if you are feeling a tension between following God and following your own way, it will make you miserable. It will make you miserable because you understand you're not fully realizing what God wants for you and you're dabbling with, I suppose, the easiness of, of living that less ideal life. And, and the thing is, but you're miserable in the middle. But when we give our all to God, there is a delight, there is a joy there. 
for the favour he shows and the joy he bestows are for those who will trust and obey. There is, a, there is a delight in being obedient to God. And you'll find that as you are obedient, every time you're obedient, you'll find the joy in doing that. Obedience also means that we know God better. When God does something through your life that only he can do, you will come to know him more intimately, more closer, more deeply. If you do not obey, you miss out on, on some of the most exciting experiences of your life. I've seen that in my own life when I've been in a position where God is at work around me and I'm joining him with that. And all of a sudden, the sense and, and, and the, the presence of God in your life, is, it becomes almost overwhelming because all of a sudden you are where God is. Now, again, I can't say that 100% of the time I'm being obedient to God, but I do know at those times God is, is, reveals himself more and more, or I'm more open to seeing more of who God is. And why would I want more of that? Why wouldn't you want some of that? We see this especially in the life of Moses. In every experience that Moses had, he had the opportunity to obey, and in obeying, he knew God on a deeper level. It went from the burning bush where he had to ask his name to the Pharaoh where he was introducing Pharaoh to God, to the Red Sea where he walked in in faith, to the desert, to the Ten Commandments where he actually was right before God. He was in God's presence. You see how every step that Moses had to obey actually grew him into a deeper relationship with God. We have that opportunity as well. Again, not all of us take that opportunity, but we have that opportunity that if we are obedient, we will be closer to God. It would be a guaranteed thing. And obedience also brings us a blessing. In Luke 10, Jesus sent out 72 disciples with some specific instructions to obey. Go do this, go do this, don't do this, do this. And they went out and ministered with those specific instructions. They were obedient to Jesus. And they saw God work through them. And in verse 17, they returned um, to Jesus with joy because of their obedience. So that's the delight of obedience. They had that joy in them. And after a brief discussion, Jesus said to them in Luke 10, 23, then he turned to his disciples and said privately, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. Blessed are the eyes of the ones who, who are able to experience me in that, in that deeper way and who are blessed because of that experience, because they're obedient. Well, as we wrap up for today, I want to give you this challenge because some of us think obedience is about just doing stuff for God. It's actually doing stuff that God wants us to do. Because we can really easily find a list of things that we're comfortable doing and fill up our lives with doing things for God. And we, we're actually looking at what we have done. We're actually really focused on ourselves. And so what we really need to do is get to a place where we're saying yes and following what he's asking us to do. Now, sometimes they may look the same, but the motive is very different. And we see this played out um, between Saul and Samuel in the, in, in the, uh, the book of 1 Samuel. And, and Saul had, had been king for some time and he was going to a, another battle and he had been told to wait for Samuel to come to offer the sacrifice before going into battle. And Saul couldn't wait. He saw his men getting scared and he got to the point he says, I can't wait, I'll offer the sacrifice myself. He wasn't the man to do it. He was told not to do it. He was told to wait. He was actually disobedient. 
And so in the end, he went to battle. They overcome and they they took all the, the things, some of the things they weren't meant to take from the other army. And Samuel finally came. And, and in discussion, uh, this is where um, Saul actually lost the blessing of to be king. But this is what Samuel said in, in uh, chapter 15, verses 22. He said, but Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listens, obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than the offering, the fat of the rams. See, the thing is, we can get busy doing stuff for God. Or sometimes, and we, we, sometimes to be honest, we're not even doing it for God. We're doing it for the recognition. Look at what I've done for God. Look at what I've done for God. Look at what I've sacrificed for God. And here's Samuel saying, hey, your sacrifice at times, if your sacrifice is self-serving, it doesn't achieve anything. But obedience is always going to be pleasing to God. Obedience is always going to be the way that you show your love for God. Obedience will always bring a blessing. Obedience will always bring benefit to you. Obedience will always bring you closer in relationship to God. And so I suppose my question to you before I wrap up today is, why wouldn't you obey? If there is so much benefit in it, why wouldn't you obey? Let go of self and say yes to God. You say yes to what he wants for you. You say yes to what he wants you for today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Say yes today. And get in the habit of saying, God, I know you love me. I know you want what's best for me. And I'm going to follow you and I'm going to say yes to you. Imagine what God would do with, with individuals that were totally sold out to him that way. Imagine what God would do with churches that were totally sold out to him in that way. Let's be individuals like that. Let's be a church that is sold out and we're willing to be obedient to God in all that God asks us to do. Let me just pray for you. Lord, I thank you that we are able to come together today and to uh, really celebrate and to know um, your call on our lives. But Lord, today you are asking us, each one, to do something. You are asking us maybe to do some simple things that maybe we've, we've let go by the side. Maybe we need to be getting more into our Bibles. Maybe we need to be loving our families more. Maybe we need to be working harder at work. Let us say yes and no things, Lord. But, Lord, it may be a bigger thing that you are drawing to. It Maybe it's fear or uncertainty or doubt, Lord. Give us the faith and trust in you because we know that you love us. We know that you want the best thing for us. And in so doing, place us in a position where we are able to, to walk in great faith with you and to um, acknowledge the things that you are asking us to do. Lord, let us show our love for you as we say yes to you this week. Say yes to you as you you call us to small and big things. And in so doing, Lord, let us be sold out to you. Let us be sold out to you as a church. Let us be sold out to you as individuals who actually are seeing God work in mighty ways through our lives. We pray this in your name. Amen.